first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. I'm Roscoe, your co-host, and sitting opposite me, virtually of course, is Blakey, back for episode two. Blakey, welcome back to uh, the Golf Rules Questions podcast. How are you, sir? Uh, Going very good. You know, I had a great weekend uh, watching the golf, first major of the year. Uh, Very interesting. I'm sure you're going to talk more about that on my Love of Golf podcast, but certainly for... Me as a rules guru, uh, or interested in the rules at least, uh, there were a lot of really interesting situations that we are going to talk about today. Absolutely, mate. We'll get into that in a second. But just uh, reflecting, you know, now that you're an official uh, welcome to the podcast world, you are an official podcaster. How's your first week of being a golf podcaster felt, mate? You've had some had some feedback. There's been a little bit of dialogue coming across the uh, the interwebs on episode one to you. Yeah, no, it's um, it's been fantastic. I've had a few comments through uh, YouTube, Facebook, and, and of course my main medium, Instagram. Uh, people are looking forward to uh, more listening to more of us um, chat about the rules of golf and, and our experiences and examples of uh, the rules of golf. I've probably signed about three or four autographs as I've been walking down the street. I, I don't know how they recognize me with a mask on, but, uh, you know, I guess the, they put the eyes to the name and, <laughs> and go from there. Mate, my question is, uh, has anyone asked about old Tom Morris? <laughs> no, no one has asked asked about old Tom Morris or, or the, uh, you know, the, the great rules, first rules signed at the um, – um, Leith, Leith. Leith, Leith links by the uh, what became Leith known Leith. as the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers. Well, you know, I do have connections to Leith, Edinburgh, because that is where my parents are from. So, you know, I, I may have been able to get someone there that uh, was able to give us a bit of an introduction um, for the podcast. But uh, I certainly had a few people going, how did you get the... Uh, where, where, where does, where's the old Tom Morris impersonation come from? We'll just leave that there. We won't give away too many secrets. But anyway, I did get a fe- bit of feedback on the uh, on the intro, which was, um, it sounds fun. So if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to the intro. Well, you will if you listen to the podcast, of course. Naturally, you've got this far. So, Blakey, as you say, it's been a big weekend in golf. The first major, you know, we're in August. We've missed the Open. We've missed the Masters, the Masters will come later in the year. The Open won't come. The US Open will come. We had to wait a long time and my sense among the golfing community was that it was worth the wait. They were very keen to see some major action and it delivered. It absolutely delivered on many fronts. It delivered on a scoring front. It delivered on a future star of the game or not a future star a star of the game but you know one of the young guns of the game taking and raising the Wanamaker but when you think about that last round and you get to maybe four or five holes to go and there's so many people stacked at the leaderboard it was sensational to watch that and uh, it was captivating but there were many other things that uh, captivated us from a golf rules questions perspective during the tournament and a number of 
rules imbroglios. I don't know if that's the right word, if there is such a word, but um, how would you frame up the the rules imbroglios that happened over the tournament? Yeah, I I usually refer to them as uh, scenarios or situations. Um, Very interesting, actually. Um, You know, we had a couple of broken clubs and we had, you know, uh, a couple of players upholding the rules in the in the best way possible. We also had some uh, some terrible shots. Um, the ones that we saw on TV were mostly good, but uh, had a couple of a couple of uh, shots more akin to my um, golfing vocabulary. Um, so yeah, no, it was really interesting, uh, and we had a, a fair bit of traction and traffic from people wanting to know what the rules are. So, you know, we're going to start probably with uh, the broken clubs because that's uh, one of the more interesting scenarios. Well, let's, so, let's, just, let's just have a listen to one of those scenarios, if I can get the, uh, the interwebs to work. So we'll talk about – should we talk about Shane Lowry first, that, that episode? Yeah. Yep. Let's talk that's about a good. That's a good one to start because that is just under the rules of golf. Let's, uh, let's have a listen to, to that. The second shot of Shane Lowry, and that club will not have a second chance. The frustrations continue here, obviously, for Shane. Well, you can't see the vision, but he just grabs the uh, whatever it was, a seven iron, just bangs it over the knee, snaps it in two, walks off. You can hear it. You can hear the little ching of the KBS tour shaft just snapping over the knee. Um, wasn't the greatest weekends for the, the current Open champ. Um, so he's, he's just gone wacko. Snapped it. What happens then? Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that he made the weekend was pretty good, so he should be um, encouraged by that. Okay. But he, um, yeah, he hit he had a less than ordinary shot, and certainly less than ordinary in, in his um, mind. Under four point one a, if you break a club, you can actually continue to use it, even though it's now non-conforming. So he's snapped the shaft in two, so it's now non-conforming. Um, and you can continue to use it uh, for the rest of the round or you can try and repair it. But in repairing it, you must use the same grip, the same shaft and the same club head. So um, it might be a little bit hard to try and repair that club. You aren't permitted under that rule to replace the club. Uh, and this is under 4.1B. Uh, as well, uh, you aren't permitted to replace the club uh, unless it was damaged by someone else and an outside influence. It, this one, it wasn't. Shane clearly snapped it over his leg, so he's not allowed to um, replace that club. He can continue to use it. Uh, not sure that there ever be a situation where he would, uh, but yeah, basically that seven iron has to set it on the bench um, for the rest of the rest of the round. So let's just say that he whacked the club into a tree root in anger, in obvious frustration, instead of snapping it over his knee, and he bends the seven iron at the hosel, not breaks it, but bends it, changes the loft. He's allowed to keep he's allowed to continue to use that club. Yes. Uh, from January one, two thousand nineteen, if if you slightly bend it he can try and bend it back um, or he can just continue to use it with that bend even if that was an anger uh, that would be 
um, permissible under that rule. Because that is, as you say, in January uh, 1, 2019, that's one of the rules that changed. So before, what would have been the situation prior to that? And I think this is one of the rules that sometimes people can, may not have picked up on in the rules change. So before that, what would have been the situation? So before that, it, it was all about normal course of play and not in the normal course of play. So in Shane's situation, uh, it wouldn't be considered in the normal course of play. Uh, so he wouldn't be allowed to continue to use it for the rest of the round or have it repaired. Uh, he'd just have to let that club sit that one out and he, he certainly wouldn't be permitted to replace it. Uh, so that that one would be that one would be done. Okay. Well, he never got to use it because it was snapped in two. Now we had we had another one that happened, and that was probably the one that got a little bit more airtime, and that was the big boy, uh, big Bryson DeChambeau, snapping the driver. Let's see if we can uh, hear that. It's in slow slow mo. There's a lot of power and speed there. There's just not one ounce of energy left in the bag. Well. And the head head drops off. Must have been a little. It's uh, let's see if we can get some better vision of that. But basically, Bryson DeChambeau launches one of the big bombs and uh, follows through. And then next thing, he turns down and his head of his driver's on the ground. So what's what's happening there? Yeah, well, uh, I should say that both of these uh, vision of both of these incidents are on my YouTube, so you can oh. go and. Um, check out Shane snapping that's, his club and, sorry about and that. Bryson um, <laughs> snapping his driver. You think I would have pulled up your YouTube site and not some, some, someone else? Sorry, no, well, sorry I've, boss. I've, I've taken off the sound for the Shane one, so um, no, you were right in grabbing someone else's. And uh, and I think the Bryson one, I couldn't find sound on that one, so no, no dramas at all there, Ross. But if you do, listeners, if you do um, have access to the uh, – to the internet and, and uh, a mobile phone um, to go and view. You can. You're more than welcome to go to Golf Rules Questions and view it. Congrat- um, congratulations on the uh, over a thousand subscribers now. too. we put the call out uh, last week. Uh, if anyone can, you know, give uh, Blakey and Golf Rules Questions YouTube site a, a, a bum up with uh, some uh, subscriptions. Uh, that uh, you certainly rose to the challenge there. And thanks for getting him over a thousand. It's good. Yeah, absolutely, Ross. Um, you know, got over the thousand just after the podcast um, got released. So um, fantastic work there by yourself. And uh, as you know, it's just a resource for everyone to go and use. Um, there's playlists there, so all the um, a lot of the videos are grouped by rule number. Um, you might not know the rule number, but if you once you see start watching the videos, you'll be able to uh, put two and two together as to what the the situation is for the rule number. So back now, to Bri- back to Bryson. Back to Bryson. Shouldn't get uh, get too distracted. But back to Bryson now. Um, let's let's just start with you know two years ago what would have what this would have been deemed at because it's a good way to broach into it. Um, so it's funny, you know. There's some funny things that athletes do in golf. Um, you know, simply bending down other sports might not see them as as uh athletic things but you know that that's part of the game of golf but bryson's gone back uh, gone down to um grab his tee from the ground 
And in doing so, he's leaned on his driver. Now, he did say um, in a press conference afterwards that his driver was probably um, about to snap anyway. So the fact that it sort of happened then and not during a stroke um, was actually quite fortunate for him. So he's leaned down on the club to get to get a tee. And two years ago, that would be considered in the normal course of play. Now, that might sound strange. Um, but uh, it's not just the swing. It's it's putting the club back into the bag lightly. Um, it's obviously leaning on it um, with no intention to, to snap it, and, and that's exactly what it's done, and then it's just slightly um, snapped off. Um, and now, so, so two years ago, that would have been fine. He would have been able to replace it. Now, since 1 January 9, 2019, which we talked about with Shane, um, that actually would have meant that Bryson couldn't replace his driver for the rest of the round. And I think in this instance, it's it happened on the seventh hole and he teed off on the first, so he still had uh, 11 holes to go. Um, so under that rule, he wouldn't have actually been able to replace it. He would have been able to try and play with it, no chance, just playing with a head or, or and you can't use a shaft by itself. Um and try and repair it. Uh, he could have tried to repair it. Um, probably a little bit easier for um, him since, you know, they had two trucks, so they might have been able to get it to him by hole eight or nine or ten. Um, but even easier um, because, uh, and this local rule came out last year, um, where a committee can adopt this local rule, G9, in uh, in committee procedures section eight, that it basically is the same as you know the rule of two years ago. So if your club is damaged in the normal course of play, which we talked about, that was the normal course of play, uh, then because that local rule has been adopted, uh, the player can um, replace their club, which you know with the tour trucks. Easy. Whereas, you know, how many um, drivers have you got, Ross, sitting in your car, uh, waiting for you to uh, walk through uh, nine and, and grab from the boot of your car? Well, you're probably asking the wrong guy that question because for me doing what I do, I've usually got a couple of drivers kicking about and I can probably lean to my uh, right here and put my hand on maybe three at the moment. But uh, no, that's, a, that's a luxury of doing what I do. Now, but you're right, the, no one else can really, not many people have that opportunity to do that. Now, what about the time when, now I'm racking my ageing memory banks as we speak, there was a situation where someone broke their driver, it was in a big tournament, and they sent the driver off with an official or a you know, member of uh, their team, took it off to the tour truck, replaced the shaft and then brought it back. And that was a breach, you know, it was repaired off site. Was that, was, am yeah, I? Yeah, look, um, that would be, that would be permitted. I think the one that you are talking about, if, if my memory serves me correctly, might have been last year, and I'm not sure the player. Um, we'd, I'd love the listeners to tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but it may have been Harold Varner third. Yes, I think you're right. And it was a strange situation because uh, 
there's an interpretation in the book about not being able to use a um, club that you've been carrying as parts. Okay, so let me um, try not to confuse people. What had happened is he had the driver head um, in his bag, uh, sorry, a spare driver head in his bag and a spare shaft in his bag. And so if you um, break your club and have the ability to replace a club, that doesn't mean that you can actually use uh, the, the, the parts or the components of a club that you had already been carrying. Right. So, there you go. So what he was supposed to do was actually use the parts from, you know, somewhere else, a tour truck that hadn't he that no one had been carrying on the course basically, um, instead of using the ones that were in his bag. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So that was that was therefore he breached the what was the rule that he broke 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 there? Um, well, it would have been under that 4.1 and uh, about – because basically if you're carrying the parts, what they're saying is that you basically have 15 clubs. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're, you're breaching that rule, um, which means um, you incur uh, the general penalty. So Shane broke his, broke his iron, no good, can't repair that. So he can't use it anymore. Uh, Bryson. Correct. So what did Bry- what happened with Bryson? Did, did do you know if he sent out to the Cobra, Cobra Kai dojo and got a new new driver sent back? So yeah, just, just so Shane broke his iron, but he could use it, but he couldn't have it replaced. But he had to use it as it was. Um, so that's the adoption for from one January two thousand nineteen. Bryson most likely. Um, who's he? Who's he um, swing with? Cobra, does he? Yeah. Uh, most likely, Cobra had a spare driver um, that they were able to bring out to him, you know, within a hole or so, and uh, you know, it wouldn't have been hard to get through the crowds, so would have been pretty easy to get get there. And Harold Varner from years gone by, well, he was he was carrying a fifteenth club in effect, so that's why he couldn't just rip out the same shaft from a driver that he had in bits sitting in his bag. Yeah. Is he allowed to uh, carry is he allowed to carry the club in bits in his bag? Is was he breaching the rule for just carrying the club or he can carry it in bits and not use it? Do you have to declare yeah. that? You know, that's always that you know that questionable thing. You see that in club golf a little bit. Oh guys, um I'm carrying a, a fourth wedge today. It's my old sixty. I was using it at the range on on the weekend. I'm not using it. So that's okay, isn't it? I'm actually really glad you brought that question up. Uh, I'm at, uh, so you can carry components in your bag. It's not considered a club. Until you put it in play. Right. And, but the, the breach is if you then, can, then are able to replace a club, you're not able to put those components together to make a club. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, so that would be no. But if if uh, Johnny is, you know, he's he's putting, he's practicing on the putting green. He's got twenty minutes to his tee time. Um, he finds out, or he knows that he has more than fourteen clubs in his bag. Um, he has to get rid of that club. 
he can't carry it with him when he starts his round because that would be 15 clubs, more than 14 clubs. If um, if he has his 14 clubs and somehow, you know, this is on a Saturday and on the Friday night he was mucking around um, on the golf course, took his um, uh, five-year-old um, out for a bit of a hit with a, their plastic clubs, put the plastic club in the bag, forgot about it, gets to the first tee the next day in a bit of a rush, checks his bag for 14 clubs, sees that um, little Tommy's um, plastic club is in there, uh, he would have to declare it and would be allowed to declare it um, as out of play and not be penalised because he's doing it shortly before he tees off. So irrespective of that's a plastic club or a golf club, is that what you're saying? So you can declare your club out of play? Well, you can declare any club out of play. And if it's a non-conforming club, it's even more important that you declare it out of play. But, um, yeah, you can declare any club out of play shortly before you tee off. So you're not – you couldn't do it, you know, 20 minutes before and then say, oh, I'm just going to carry it around with me. You'd still be in breach of more than 14 clubs there. But if you get to the tee – and you're like, oh, I, I can't, I can't run back to put it in my car or run back to put it in my locker. Um, I don't have time. Yeah. You can declare it out of play. Best idea is to turn it upside down, and uh, and you know just start and start the round basically. So, if you're someone who leaves their club making decisions till the last moment, vis a vis maybe me, if I'm going to use a 58 degree or a 60 degree as an example you can't go to the range warm up take both those clubs you know high bounce low bounce high bounce low bounce any mini mini mo put them both back in then get to the tee and go oh boys i'm not using the low bounce today you can't do that you, you've just got to yeah cool no it's it's basically if you've forgotten yeah if you've forgotten that uh your club is in there that extra club is in there you um, just my dogs. Can. Just my dogs, mate. They they get excited about golf rules as well. <laughs> Some outside influences there. Yeah. Um, if you if you've forgotten that your club is in there, then you can do it shortly before you tee off. But you can't be taking twenty clubs to the first tee and then saying, "Oh, you know, six of these are not in play." Um, I'm because uh, it's so windy. I'm going to go with low low flight on my irons yeah. or something like that. I'm not so much up on the end equipment type stuff. Probably the saddest time of my golfing uh, junior career was in my early junior days. I had my first ever proper golf bag. Uh, it was a nylon golf bag, Blakey. We bought it at a golf shop in Sydney, which is in down near Central Station. Used to have a big neon sign. Some of the listeners from New South Wales might remember it. You know, Sharpies, I think it was called. My dad and mum took me down to Sydney. It was a big journey out from the Hunter Valley. We bought a golf club. Uh, golf bag, a five wood, and a sand wedge. But in between those two cl- those clubs, I had all my my little cut down Aussie Pickworths, and one of the nine irons had slipped. Oh, I wasn't using it, but it it had slipped down to the bottom of the bag because it was a cut down club, so it was shorter than the bag, and it was in the bottom of the bag. In effect, I couldn't see it. I didn't know that it was there. I wasn't using it. I didn't know it was there, and uh, my playing partner went through my bag and found it. 
and uh, and identified that I had more than uh, fourteen clubs, and I was uh, there was a I, I, it was obviously a long time ago, but there was a fracas around the the decision because I was actually intention for this little junior tournament to win you know a dozen hot dots. Um, about the penalty, about the penalty, uh, you know, it was like a per shot, how many shots per hole. So immediate decision was like, oh, you're disqualified. But then it was like, uh, I think the old ruling was it's a maximum two-shot penalty, but there's a maximum per holes that that could be applied applied by. Yeah, that's that's right. So the, um, the ruling two years ago was um, two-shot penalty per hole um, in stroke play and then a maximum of four four strokes in match play it's loss a hole maximum of two holes lost uh but that's uh that's different it's called a, a match adjust yeah a match adjustment penalty in match play but it's different now so basically there's no uh limitation uh in stroke play no this sorry there still is a limitation in stroke play so, listeners, you can't. Blakey's feverishly going for the the the, the manual. The uh, the you got the big the big golf rules book there, or the small golf rules book. You got the big the big one. There it is. No, I haven't caught you. Then. No, surely not. Yeah, you, you've caught me. Okay. I mean, I I wouldn't think that I'm going to go on here without making a, a, a mistake here or there, but I will always try and make sure the book is uh, close to me in case I'm unsure or something. So. Um, the maximum still available or maximum is still there, which means um, it's a four stroke penalty in stroke play yeah. and uh, four and a two loss of hole uh, in two loss of holes, ho- lost two holes in match play. And, uh, but it's, it's when you find out. So um, if you find out on the 16th, then you might've had, um, access to 15 clubs for 16 holes. Uh, but if you find out on the third, then you've had access to 15 clubs um, for three holes. So, um, but yeah, that, that's, I've never heard of a playing partner um, going through someone else's bag to check how many clubs they've got. It was a kid from school. Uh, he was a bit of a, an arch nemesis of mine on a number of fronts, not just a golfing front. Um, let's just say we weren't close mates, but we were paired together on this particular tournament. It was actually his caddy. His caddy went through my bag. So his caddy was the the, the, the nemesis, and uh, he went through my bag because he was just doing that to wind me up. And and I have to say, uh, Blakey, um, not to make the listeners feel sorry or sad for me, but it was probably the only time that I've ever shed a tear on a golf course. It was it was true. I was young. I was I was irreconcilable, and uh, you know. The lost hot dots meant nothing, but uh, yeah, my honour was questioned that day, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. So it was, anyway, I, I clearly maybe have got over it. Since well, that, that's a good uh, sort of segment. We're not going to do it uh, today, a segue, but you know, just we want to hear from listeners that um, have broken the rules on the golf course. Um, most likely, we're not going to hear from the ex- the ones that actually did it on purpose. You know, the cheats out there. Uh, but, you know, what happens when you found out you've broken a rule and, and, and what happens if you – or how you found out? Did someone else tell you? Did they, did, it, did you find out yourself and how you've um, got, uh, coughed up and, and had to, 
you know, change your score basically or disqualify yourself. We, we want to hear more about that. And if you do find, we definitely want to go into this situation where if you do find out that someone's broken the rule, um, how do you broach it with them? How do you approach them? Um, are you their marker? Uh, you know, are, are you a bystander? Are you not their marker? Are you allowed to talk to them if you're not their marker? Um you know, I've got a, you know, I know a few situations where um, some people have had to cough up and and um, say that they broke a rule, and and in other situations where other people have had to tell them, and and in some situations it can't be, it's, it's not very nice because, you know, if if you get told you've broken a rule, as you said, Roscoe, it's your honour is on the line. You think that you've um, you've done you know, the worst thing, you should go to jail and you know, feel like a criminal. Um, is there a nice way to, to approach someone? Most likely not. But uh, in the end, it's a lesson that we all learn. Well, the topic does segue nicely into the next rules um, matter from the PGA on the weekend. And it was va- greatly commented on, um, to his credit, and that was the situation surrounding Rory McIlroy. And, you know, I'll leave it to you to describe, but for me, you know, that was the measure of the man right there, the way that Rory McIlroy handled that situation. And there's probably never going to be anyone that questions him, not that there was a reason to, but there never will be from that point forward, but the way that he handled um, that replacing of his uh, ball. So take us through that scenario there, Blakey. Yeah, well, I mean, Rory had one um, last year in the bunker when he touched, just touched a some sand, which he thought was a stone. And, uh, you know, people were thinking, you know, he just touched it, so he didn't actually end up improving his lie. Um, so he didn't get a, a penalty in that situation. Um, but... People were sort of thinking, oh, you know, is that uh, from Rory? That's not a very um, good good look. Well, you know, with what he did over the weekend where we – and we talked about um, bought rest move last week with John Rahm and it was in my um, one of my blogs about a bought rest move. Well, it wasn't uh, – it was, it was sort of during a search, but it, it didn't matter because it wasn't the player that caused the ball to move. It was a media personality announcer, someone like that, who stepped on his ball, stepped on Rory's ball, and then they've called the referee and the referee said, well, you just have to estimate where the ball um, was at rest when it was stood on and place it there. And, and most people um, would put their ball um, back in this sort of fluffed up nice um, spot, assuming that um, the ball had come to rest in the rough in this sort of fluffed up spot. <laughs> which if you'd been watching the golf at Harding Park was very unlikely. Most of them, the balls would nestle down. And so Rory didn't feel comfortable in, in replacing his ball in this estimated spot that sat up. So he ended up pushing the ball down a little bit uh, into a, you know, not as nice a lie, obviously. Ended up making a bogey there at that hole on the, the par three. I think it was the third. And, uh, you know, it's just a nice story that, you know, it's all about upholding the rules. 
and the spirit of the game. If you hit it into, you know, into the rough, you, you know, it's you're not necessarily going to get a good lie. If you hit it into the fairway, you're not necessarily entitled to a good lie. Uh, most people complain about the um, divot ball rolling into a divot in the in the fairway. They're never going to change that because, as I, I said it last week, and I said, and I'm going to say it every episode, uh, golf is a, is a a challenge of your character, your personality, before it's a challenge of your skill. So you have to work out and learn how to deal uh, with those situations. How would that apply? you know, the similar type of scenario to the club golfers on the weekend. So, you know, if your ball, if you have to mark your ball at the request of a playing partner, for example, if it's in the way and and how you replace that, you know, just making sure that it does go back into exactly the same spot, you know, there isn't a opportunity, it's not an opportunity to replace the ball in a better spot. You know, you have to really pick it up, not clean it in that situation, that's correct. Not, you can't clean the ball. If, if you if you're marking the ball at the request of your playing partner because it might be interfering with their line or something off the green, of course, can you can you clean the ball? Yeah, yeah no, you, you can't clean your ball if your ball is um, you know in the rough or fairway and you're simply picking it up uh, just because it's interfering with someone else's play. And so the most there is no set way in how to do this. Um, there's some recommendations, um, you know. People always thought because it, you see it uh, on the professional tours, people always thought you have to use your thumb and your you know forefinger to put it and then you have to hold <laughs> it up in the air. And Yeah, exactly. Um, that's, that's not the uh, process. Um, it's recommended to do it that way or um, other people just they'll mark it, pick it up and then place it somewhere else, um, you know, get it out of their hand because as soon as you sort of – start rubbing it around your hand or, um, you know, without even any intention. Uh, and as soon as you rub it around your hand or you put it in your pocket, um, you could be uh, cleaning it and you could be incurring a, a penalty. So um, it's best to just do the least um, or hold on to the ball the least or and put it somewhere else um, where it's not going to have any, you're not going to have any sort of worry and, and, Someone won't try and pull you up. Oh, you're cleaning your ball, um, so you're certainly not allowed to um, to clean it in that situation. And place it back exactly where it was, not not yeah. not near, not better. Just exactly how it was, where it was, in the same conditions as it was. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and that's a really good one too. So, you know, you can't then fluff it up. As I said, you know, if it's sitting down, and uh, you know, if you're searching for your ball. And you kick your ball because it was under the sort of under the rough. You didn't see it. There's not going to be a penalty, but you need to estimate and put your ball back exactly where it was yep. under that rule 7.4. Now you're not going to know exactly where it was, but if you can't see it the first time, there's a high likelihood that it was sitting down. It wasn't sitting up. Um, so you need to estimate, and you know integrity comes in here, and you're going to push the ball back down into the grass a little bit. And, uh, you know, with that sort of um, – there's a sort of another interpretation in the rule that's quite interesting. If your ball has mud on it, say you marked your ball uh, just in the fringe because it was interfering and, and your ball had mud on it, obviously you're not allowed to clean it. 
And then you also, um, you, you couldn't then put the mud, if the mud was sort of on the top of the ball, you couldn't then put the mud on the underside so that it was teed up a little bit or you couldn't put it to the side or you couldn't, you know, the mud would have to go back into the same position. And, you know, number one, you got to try and put it back in the same position. And, and if, as long as you try your best reasonable um, effort, then you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're trying any other kind of way, then, you know, as I said, golf, golf might not be your sort of sport. If you, if you're trying to uh, circumvent a couple of rules, uh, you know, that that's just not on. That's not what golf is about. Now, what else is not on when you're playing golf on the weekend is walking up to the ball when it's about half a foot away from the hole and then taking an air swing. That is not on, especially when you're in the PGA Tour, especially when you're playing in the first major of the year and you're Ricky Fowler. What was what was he thinking? Yeah, I, I thought you were going to tell me um, – tell the listeners about my golf game on the weekend but uh yeah no that happened in the pga um championship uh ricky went a little tap tap taparoo and uh yeah i guess he just desailed at the right wrong time and lifted the club at the wrong time but and but, he, he brushed it. it it wasn't it wasn't an a perfect I, the first time i saw it i thought it was a perfect air swing but he actually did brush the ball and, and probably moved it a lot, lot, com- lot of commentary over the uh, Instagram there for that one from, from you, and a lot of people were, were questioning that. So we'll talk about it in a sec. We'll see if we can listen to it. But, you know, people thought that it was an air swing or did he touch it, did he address it, all that sort of thing. But uh, let's see if we can hear some of it. Hello. Manages to say par there, but there's a bit of... Let's just see if we can... <laughs> this, is off your, this is off your Instagram. Controversy back at the six. Here we go. You remember this uh, shortish par putt that... Powell looked out and he was unhappy about it. Then watch as he goes to quickly tap it in. He goes to, and the ball actually moves. It moves, so he's been doctor shot for that. And that was a double bogey in the end for Ricky Fowler back at... Great commentary there from Australia's very own Luke Elvey commentating the PGA from his home in Canmore, um, Canada. Um, I saw some pictures of Luke... Um, doing that but yeah so he had a question there walked up to it went to flop it in and old taparoo double double whammy yeah i had a few um followers asking well couldn't he just say that it was accidental um there was accidental movement that he that he changed his mind Uh, yeah i mean he, he could um he wouldn't because that's not what happened he clearly he made uh made a stroke um, with the intention of, of hitting the ball in the hole. So, um, you know, that would be the opposite of what Rory did. And, and Ricky wouldn't do that anyway. Um, but if he had accidentally moved it, um, then that would have been worse situation because it did actually move and he would have had to replace it. He didn't replace it. And so it would have actually ended up causing him uh, a two-shot penalty instead of just one stroke. So... Um, that would be inadvisable to do it that way, but it was a it was a clear stroke. You know, we all make mistakes. Um, unfortunately, Ricky missed the cut by one, and that was the that was the culprit shot basically. Um, so that was that was annoying for everyone. But 
but a little at, at Ricky's expense, um, that was quite funny. I dare say Ricky felt worse after doing that and missing the cut than I did after losing a dozen rockets after being found out for using fifth or not using but having fifteen clubs in my bag, even though one was about a foot tall cut off down the bottom of my bag. Yeah, I fair say he would have felt a bit worse. Yeah, no, I. I I would have thought so, especially because it would have been replayed around social media. Whereas, um, I don't think they had social media back in uh, in junior golf days for you there, Roscoe. No, definitely not. Um, didn't have, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, whiteboard chalk. It wasn't even there. Wasn't even a, a, a leaderboard with uh, you know white whiteboard marker. It was chalk back in my day, mate. That's how that's how long it goes back. Yeah, it was very unfortunate for uh, Ricky because he is a is a fan favourite. He's a he's a sponsor's favourite. You know, Rocket on the My Love of Golf podcast. I'm sure he'll have something to say about Ricky uh, tonight and um, the great work that he did for his sponsors. He is always one for representing his sponsors, and in an inadvertent way, he did represent them again um, and got them a lot of airtime. But anyway, poor Ricky. That is that is very true. Um, now we move on next one to another upstanding. Uh, citizen on the PGA Tour and Cameron Tringali. Did you see what happened there, Roscoe? Well, I did after – what day was it? I can't, was it day two or one? I'd say it was round two on that Saturday yeah. morning for us, yeah. Well, I just went – scrolled through the leaderboard because I, I, I didn't uh, – I wasn't able to see the coverage. I was doing other things in the morning and um, I saw him at the bottom DQ'd. And my question was – you know, how do you get DQ'd these days? You know, like obviously it was for signing an incorrect card, but I just, you know, immediate thoughts were, how do you get DQ'd? And take us through how a professional on the PGA Tour gets DQ'd. Well, I mean, you know, this is more common than you think, um, which sucks. It shouldn't be common at all, um, but... He has, to his credit, um, played on that Friday, um, Saturday morning for us in Australia, and he's finished, um, signed his scorecard, handed it in at the scoring area. There's a specific scoring area on the on the tour. They make sure that it's set up. It's almost guarded um, like the Reserve Bank of Australia. You know, it's it's bolted almost. It's looked <laughs> after. There's people in there, there's security, um, making sure that these players don't make mistakes uh, when signing their card because it's a big part of the game of golf. Uh, now, he's, he's finished there. He's gone to probably grab some lunch in the, um, uh, the player dining, looked up at the TV, um, seen that it's come up with a 68 when he actually had a 69. And he's thinking, uh, there's something not quite right here. So he's gone back to the committee uh, and and told them, you know, is this a scoring error era on my part or a scoring error on the TV's part? And uh, it came down to the fact that uh, it was a scoring error on his part. He signed for an incorrect score. He signed for a 68 when he actually had a 69, I believe, I don't know the full story, but I believe it was a par three where it was written on his card as a three when he actually had a four. Um, he signed for it. I mean, they've you know he's they're playing um, player and marker, and and usually I've been in a scoring uh, hut before. The 
you, as a scorer, you definitely don't want to have any interruptions um, and you don't want to, you know, look at these players um, like they're famous or anything. You know, if, if Tiger Woods comes in, you don't just go, oh, Tiger, how are you going? Can I have your autograph? You know, he's, he's making an autograph and it's to put it on his card. So, you, you, you know, these, this is their office. This is their job. You want to make sure that they don't stuff up their job at the end of the day. Um, unfortunately, mistakes can still happen, and, and it's the player's responsibility to get it right. Um, usually, the players will go through and say, you know, 4-3-5, um, 4-3-5, and, you know, that equals blah, blah, blah. You, the, the player doesn't actually have to get the addition correct. That's up to the scorer. They just have to get, and there's no handicap on the card for these guys. They just have to get basically um, their correct uh, score for the individual hole. So the first hole, they have to have their correct score. The second hole, da da da. If they if they add it up and it comes to 105 instead of 104. Um, you know, the score is going to recheck that and say, oh, no, it actually um, was 104, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it doesn't matter about the whole score. It's just their individual scores. He's obviously, unfortunately, made a mistake there. And uh, after returning the card, um, there is nothing um, There is nothing that can help him avoid that DQ penalty unless it was for a penalty that he didn't know he had incurred. Uh, so if he was found to have grounded his club in the bunker, didn't know that, signed his card, and then they found out after and they said, okay, you just get the two shots. So we just add two shots. So it was a penalty. But in this case, on that par three, it worked out that it wasn't a penalty. It was just a miscount. And unfortunately, Cameron was disqualified uh, even though he was most, uh, you know, upholding the rules and honest in his revelations that that wasn't his correct score. Can we just back over the scoring part? Because it's something that I think gets, as a viewer sitting at home, um, people see the, the scorecard come out. You know, you, you see the vision when they come into the scoring hut. They've got a little a little card and then there's the, the small thin card at the top of that that they – a reference checking. What 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 is happening? Is does the player get a card and then they have to swap it? Does the caddy get a card? So there's a scorer that goes with the group. He's an official, right? An official scorer. Is that correct? He is an official scorer, but he is only officially scoring for the TV. Right. That is not the official score of the player. Okay. So do the players get a card each, and they they have to swap cards with each other? Just like Correct. you, just like you and I do. Correct, and their cards are slightly um, different in that they have a perforated edge um, strip on the bottom, so that they can keep their own scores. So it's it's a very you know because you don't have to put in your stroke index on the hole. They don't have handicaps. Um, I think they do put measurement, but. You know, they're not too worried. They already know the measurement of the hole. It's on the tee board and everything like that. Um, but they make it pretty for the players. Basically, the marker, all they care about is the marker writing the scores on the player's card and the player at the end grabbing that card and saying, 
this is correct, I sign it, and the marker signs it as well. Right. They rip off the perforated edge because they rip off, rip off that bit and they put it alongside their card and they go 4-4, four, 3-3, four, three, three, five, five, six, six, seven, seven, three, 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 two, two. And uh, that it's a it's a it's a fairly easy process, and you know you, you shouldn't really feel rushed to um, to get that that scorecard done. You know, a lot of people on the Friday night um, they'll sort of throw the card in and don't really aren't really too worried um, if it's kind of right or not because you know if they shot eighty, they're probably going to miss the cut anyway. Um, so uh, it's not going to matter too much for them. Uh, but, uh, you know, the ones that are on the cut line, the ones that are uh, in, in the cut, within the cut line leading the tournament, they definitely want to make sure that their um, cards are correct. Right. Got it. Clear on that now. Now, mate, um, is there any, any other things emanating from uh, the weekend's tournament that you want to cover off? There was one little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was from Rockets man uh, Brooks who um, didn't quite get it done on Sunday and luckily uh, Rocket has a backup and, and I'd have to say that he's probably one of my favourite pro- uh, players now, uh, Colin. Uh, but Brooks had a medical timeout on, was it first round or second round? And so basically he had the physio come out. This is very similar. You probably see it more in tennis than you see it in golf. Um, But he had the physio come out and work on his hip. And I just had some questions about whether that was um, legal to do. Uh, In the tour, um, it's usually that they have per round a maximum of 15 minutes for a medical timeout. Um, So that's 15 minutes accumulative over that whole round. So they might have someone work on their hip for five minutes per each six holes or a minute each 15 holes, if, if you could do that. Um, you know, so that's a, that's a tour regulation, a uh, terms of the competition uh, regulation that they have in there uh, at the tour. And I, and I think um, from memory, it's total of uh, 15 minutes. So it is okay for someone to come out onto the course and give a player treatment should they should they need it. They don't have to declare it beforehand. They don't have to say, my back's a bit crooked today. I might need a medical timeout. Yeah, my physio's over here. She's got, he, she's going to run out. They can just say, right, that's it. I'm cooked. Get someone out here and they've got 15 minutes. Yeah, so that's, that's a really good um, summary and, and a good point you make there too. Um, a lot of the time they will tell um, one of the tour staff that, they have some issues because uh, it's in all likelihood that they they have to go through the tour and the physio knows that, the doctor knows that. And a lot of the time um, the physio or the doctor might not have their own golf cart and it will be the tour staff that actually have to run them out to that player. Right. So um, they tell the walking referee or walking scorer who tells the um, referee or roving referee and then the roving referee will get someone to get the, the physio or doctor to come come to their help and then you know they'll have a stopwatch on them just saying you know um, keeping an eye on the time that they have because you know 
you might think, oh, well, that's pretty, you know, who cares about uh, if they go one minute over or two minutes under, or, you know, two minutes over or whatever. Well, you know, considering the feedback I got or the questions I got from Instagram, it's the same questions that they're getting from other players. And this is basically why we have rules. It's, it's so that everyone knows the policy um, before they start playing and so that they know where they stand if that kind of situation ever happens. So if if Brooks gets 15, Tiger gets 15, Bryson gets 15, it's all fair and, you know, no one's getting any more than they um, require. Yep. Perfect, mate. Perfect. Well, once again, a five-minute chat's turned into about 50 minutes of uh, golf rules, questions and discussion, uh, which is good. There is a lot more to come in this podcast series. Uh, we're going to uncork, unravel, and uh, explain all of your questions that you have related to the golf rules in the future uh, podcast. Is that that's correct, isn't it? That is absolutely correct. And uh, as I said, I think the next one we may talk about, um, you know, just upholding the rules and and how to um, approach people that have breached the rules, or how do you, you know how to declare your own un. Uh, uncertainty around the rules if you've got this far and listened this um this long thank you very much once again if you have had a situation like that we'd love to hear it we'd love to hear from you you can contact us anyway uh, you choose instagram you can ch- email youtube whatever way you want to get in contact please do anonymously or not we, we are happy to uh hear from you and we would love you to contribute towards that and uh blakey i'm looking forward to catching up again I notice uh, that because we're doing this via Zoom and you saw the video, uh, hopefully you saw some of the video that um, of my smiling doll, that's it right there, and Blakey over there with um, sitting in front of a majestic-looking uh, backdrop, and I've changed my backdrop this week, and I was just th- sitting here thinking uh, of my former travels um, when in times when we could travel about my backdrop and, and where it was and m- taking that photo. I'm going to throw a little bit of a challenge. I don't know if this will work or not, Blakey, but I'm going to ask the listeners to uh, give me the best shot at picking where this backdrop, where that photo is actually taken from. And uh, and and if you want, if you've travelled the uh, nomadic uh, destinations of the world that you have, uh, Blakey, I'm happy to, for the listeners to tell me where your backdrop is too, mate. I reckon uh, my one is actually easier to pick than your one. Well, mine is in a golf clubhouse of the world and uh, a fairly significant one at that. It's a course that I haven't played, but uh, I have been to, but it, uh, it was just a nice picture. You know, I was doing some ISO uh, hard drive cleaning up and I found that picture. And I thought, well, there's a nice backdrop. That looks like it uh, sort of looks like my hallway just here uh, in the house here. Not really, but anyway, there's a little bit of a challenge to uh, end the podcast on a, on a lighter note. Blakey, been, been, been good. This has been fantastic for uh, episode two. We're off hot and running. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to more. We certainly are. I've done more podcasts in the last week than uh, most podcasters have done in a year. And it's good. I love it. I love the chat to talk. Uh, the chat to talk. Yes, that too. I love the chance to talk and, uh, and learn. And that's what I'm doing from you, young man. So I appreciate your time once again. Excellent. Uh, well, as you see with me in the book, um, yeah, I'm still learning as well, so uh, it's all good. We're well, everyone's happy. welcome to learn with us. Join the journey, the Golf Rules Questions podcast, episode two. That's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.